0: Happy to have you aboard here for the really big barbecue show. Boeing. We cook because we have to and we grill because we want to.
1: Hit me!
2: Fine, how <laughs> you We have a
1: great show of a big fan. Boeing. So what 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 seems to be the problem here? This man looks like he's dead and he's in the in the crackle.
0: Charbonno! It's all about the Charbono, dude! fish, what? We ate before four wieners.
3: So listen, I'm shaking like a dog shit peach seed.
2: <laughs> We have top men working on it right now. Mm-hmm. Top men.
0: Just like that, we are into the second hour. I'm trying to get as big as Desmond the reuse of the green screen. All right, uh, this is the Barbecue Central show where we talk about all you uni- need. Oh, I just totally effed myself Boy, up right there. Give me a... Hold on. Hold on. I'm using this green screen for the first time. Hit me. Not the first time. Okay. Sure I got him on. All right, we're all set. Yeah, I got to be honest, Desmond. I thought for sure... You know your track record is.
2: I know, have a reputation there. Four
0: or five hours prior to show. What time's the show at? Uh, I mean nine o'clock, just like it's been for the last twelve years. See you then. See, I,
2: I said nine thirty. Know what and happens? Still, I'm late. Usually, see you never. And here I am. I know. For week week two. I like it.
0: All right, I gotta clear out this portion of the right side of my screen here. I took away, uh, took away half your gut. Oh,
2: that's nice. Yeah.
0: but Where's my monitor? I can't see anything. Well, again, you know, I last week, I mean, for the folks that don't know, uh, by the way, neighbor Desmond did come through the house last week as well. I was not ready to go. No microphone up, no headphones ready to go, no nothing. And so I was like, I'm sorry, you got to go. And so he left. And I left. But here he is this week, all ready to rock and roll. So I'm uh, very excited to have you back in the studio as you've uh, picked probably the worst time to come in. Usually the 9 to 10 hour is, I guess, uh, subtropical, but uh, into the 10 and 11 o'clock hour, it's hot as balls in here. <laughs> and it's hot. Well, okay. But you haven't been here for an hour, so I guess you're you're technically in your 9 to 10 right now. Pretty much. Yeah, I'm in my 10 to 11. and. My head's starting to shine a little bit. It's hot.
2: Need a towel? No, because I don't want anybody to look like I'm sweating. Want me to pour a couple drips on the forehead? Maybe.
0: But you know what I saw? I was at Bed Bath & Beyond yesterday grabbing some Tervis Tumbler straws out there in Parma, Ohio. And they had this portable, very, uh, I'm trying to think of even, you know, it's kind of a big square. Something you'd sit on your desk, like a portable fan kind of thing, but it was an evaporative cooler. Huh. So they're kind of marketing it as a personal air conditioner, but it's supposed to drop the temperature in the room by 15 degrees. It's got a little water reservoir. You know that big porta cool thing I have in the yeah thing that I never use.
2: Yeah, you used it the, when you first got it. Yeah,
0: same idea, but in a for forty forty five square forty five square foot operation. Is this forty five square foot or bigger? I might need two, but I think for 30 bucks a piece, I could uh, set it them out. up and it, it at least drop the temperature in here 15 degrees. I mean, if I could drop it 15 degrees in here, it would be way more accommodating.
2: Accommodating.
0: Yeah. Oh my God. So, uh, I'm sorry you missed Tuffy Stone. Did you have any questions that you wanted to ask him?
2: Uh, no. 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 You just wanted to hear his wisdom? Yeah. I mean, I watch, I mean, I, I check him out every... It's like two, three times a week I'm watching um, Barbecue Pitmasters Challenge, and he has great insight. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, for somebody who's done it, I mean, not necessarily in in that capacity in terms of the pitmaster, but, you know, all his accolades and, and what he's accomplished, you know. You like to have that access on a television-to-television television experience? Yeah, but you know what? Uh, the great thing about your show is I can go back and replay it. Yeah. Hey, look at you promoting. I like sure. that. As I came through with my uh, yeah, my shirt on, we're both shirted up. That's here. right. Yeah, we look good. You got it. Um, you got you to come. You gotta, when you come, you got to come in the right the right manner.
0: That's right. Uh, still to come on the show this evening, Daniel Vaughn, the first ever barbecue editor in the country for Texas Monthly. He'll be on in about ten minutes from now. Let me relay this story to you. I didn't know if you were going to be coming in or not, doesn't. So I have this ready to, to go anyway. But now I can talk to you about. It. Okay. So when we you know we were down in Columbus for softball this past weekend, mm-hmm. and in Columbus there is a very high level steakhouse called Jeff Ruby's. Okay, I don't know if you've heard of it or not, but uh, I mean it's not a national chain. I think it actually originally started out in Cincinnati. You ever heard of the precinct down there? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that is now Jeff Ruby's precinct, and then there's a Jeff Ruby's in Louisville. I think there's also one in. There might be two in Cincinnati, and then there's this one in Columbus. So maybe only four or five around the region. But Prime Steakhouse. So you know we're looking at entry level steaks in the fifty-five to sixty dollar range, and then going up from there. Okay. Uh, I got the Bone In New York Strip. Okay, fifty-five day dry aging. Mm-hmm. So on the Funk Factor. You know, we were probably on that seven out of ten scale. I mean, mm-hmm. fifty-five is, you know, pretty long, definite flavor profile in your face there, truffly, blue cheesy kind of a situation. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Um, and then uh, Maddie and Bobby got the cowboy ribeyes, uh, twenty-two ounces, twenty-eight day dry aged, but they just say dry aged because anything, I believe, thirty days and less, you you know, you're not going to get that taste difference, if you right. will. Becky got the filet, and uh, Marley got the, uh, you know, chicken parmesan.
2: (laughs) 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 Marley reminds me of my brother. We used to go to Red Lobster, and he'd order a cheeseburger. Yeah, right. (laughs) Go to the prime steakhouse.
0: I'll take the chicken parmigiana. So here's the crux of the situation. I told everybody, when you order these steaks, Make sure you go at least one temperature grade up and then say plus at the end. So uh, for me, it was medium rare plus for everybody else. I said, you're probably going to want to start at medium, perhaps medium. Well, I mean, saying it out loud sounds like you should be shot in most situations, but I've done reports on this show over the last handful of weeks about the best steak restaurants, not only here in the state, but in the country are purposely undercooking your steak a lot to ensure that they don't overcook it. Because what happens when you overcook the steak? Well, the restaurant has to toss it because you can't bring it back down. If you bring out an undercooked steak, you can always bring it back. You can jack up the temperature a little bit. So your throwing away percentage, in essence, decreases. Here's my argument. When I order a meat, if I go to Longhorn, and order a medium steak or a medium rare steak, and it comes out underdone or not cooked right, okay, I'll send it back. I'm not really that bent out of shape because the expectation level isn't up here because Correct. Longhorn isn't setting that for me. But when I go to a Jeff Ruby's or you name it, high-end prime steakhouse, there is an expectation that is automatically set, which means... There's going to be a certain ambiance. There's going to be a certain quality of food that you're going to be. There's going to be a certain quality that the server is going to provide and knowledge and all the serving from the right sides of the uh, guests at the table, all this other stuff. That also, when you're a prime steakhouse, means you're going to cook the steak to the right effing temperature, especially if I'm paying 70 bucks or more steak. By the way, there's a small piece of gadgetry that you can use, folks. It's called a the thermometer, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Ensures your 100%
2: accuracy. We have several of those Yes, here.
0: right here we do, and they're the Highline Thermopens. So, I mean, you telling me for 80 bucks, you will not drop that cash to arm your cooking staff with to ensure 100? Like, I figure if I go to that kind of steakhouse, I should be able to tell them, "I want my cook steak." Or I want my steak cooked to 140 degrees or 145 degrees or 147 degrees or whatever I want. And you can use that implement to achieve what I want. Correct. So I asked the server. I said, hey, uh, my concern is these steaks are still going to come out undercooked, blah, blah, blah. Can I give you a temperature to cook these steaks to? And he's like, what do you mean? I said, well, (laughs) doesn't your chef or whoever's going to cook the steak have a meat thermometer and he looked at me as if i had just calling his mother fat Fat, <laughs> and i said he's like no they don't have any meat thermometers there they just uh they can just take the tongs and squish it and know where it is i've I said, never heard i such. said folks we have now run into a point of contention and i knew right from there those steaks were going to come out and certainly they were becky's uh, had to send her becky's was the worst Really done. Oh yeah. Well, you know, uh, you got to be
2: very gentle yeah. with the fillet. Yeah.
0: So, but even mine was—I was bordering on sending it back, although it still tasted good. But man, it was—it was borderline. For, it was definitely rare. That's for sure. I, Not I, medium
2: rare plus. The only place I n- I go and I never have a problem with my steaks, my fillets, or my New York strips. Yeah. Is is Jay Alexander's the new uh, Hurst Grill? Yeah, it's it's like, always cooked to perfection. Mm, right, I have. I, I I don't know if they're using the, the the thermometers or what they're doing, but it's I never have any complaints. All right, well maybe
0: I'll go to J. Alexander the next time and probably save a couple hundred bucks while I'm at it. Yeah, I think the
2: place like $35, 40 bucks. Yeah, nice. I mean, softball, good stuff. It melts like butter. You put it, you cut it, you put it in the mouth, and it melts.
0: Hey, you know what else melts? Cook Shack. That's right. Manufacturers of smoker ovens for barbecue lovers with any amount of barbecue experience the competition circuit and the five-star dining facilities cook shack has a unit that will do the job and with a full line of barbecue sauces spices pellets and wood chunks it's the perfect one-stop shop cook shack strives to be your barbecue resource center by offering cooking classes online recipes how-to videos two blogs smoke and grilling 101s and a video cooking classroom check out their website at cookshack.com or follow them on instagram facebook youtube twitter pinterest and google plus Get advice and share your passion for barbecue on their world-class barbecue forum. Cookshack pellet-fired smokers, the choice of champs because they were designed by a champ, Ed Fast, Eddie Morn, The FEC 100 and PG 1000, always customer favorites. The PG 1000 can double as a smoker and a grill. Low and slow, hot and fast, the pellet grill line gives you the most for your money. Cookshack residential electric smokers are the number one smoker in the industry. High quality means high durability and versatility. Basically, anything you can make in your oven, you can cook in a Cookshack. Passion and dedication drives Cook Shack's manufacturing with quality always being at the forefront. Get the best in barbecue since 1962. Call 800-423-0698. That's 800-423-0698 or visit them at Cookshack.com. All right, we're back with Daniel Vaughn. Also, Desmond sitting in here for the balance of the show or until he sees fit to hightail it out of here because of the heat. You're listening and watching the Barbecue Central show right here on the Barbecue Central Network. Stick around, we'll be right back.
1: Show, giving you a monthly visit from a doctor of barbecue, a man actually named Meathead. The author of a barbecue bible, bloggers, reviewers, competitors, and manufacturers by the dozens. It's the Barbecue Central Show. Once again, here's your host, Greg Rempey.
0: All right, welcome back. This portion of the show is brought to you by Smokin' with Smithfield, committed cooks. Hey, make sure that you are heading to Smokin'WithSmithfield.com to report your number one first place wins to claim your prizes. Have you registered to compete in the American Royal Porkloin Ancillary category? Smithfield just increased the prize purse to $6,000. Make sure you sign up for the American Royal on their website today. And don't forget to sign up for the Smithfield Classic, which will be in Richmond, Virginia, on September 29th. To sign up, reach out to Jesse with Big Pop Smokers. That's Jesse, J-E-S-S-I-E, Jesse at Smokers.com. And again, that Smithfield Classic is this September 29th. So make sure you check that out. All right, my first guest in the second hour tonight is the very first full-time barbecue editor for a magazine in the country. You also see him on this show from time to time, giving us his thoughts on the world of barbecue in general. Let's go ahead and race to the Traeger Grills hotline and welcome back the barbecue editor for Texas Monthly's magazine, Daniel Vaughn, joining me here on the show.
3: Daniel, how are you, buddy? Hey, how are you? I'm doing well. How about yourself? Doing
0: absolutely fabulous, Daniel. Appreciate it. How did the the high-level call-in stuff work for you? Pretty good?
3: Oh, yeah. Flawlessly. Yeah. you got quite a system going on there. Well, yeah,
0: man. I mean, it's like we're in two different states, but we might as well be all be in the same radio station, which, you know, this is not a radio show. I would like to point that out.
2: That
3: out That's right. We'll all be in Ohio in a couple of months. We'll have to get some barbecue together.
0: Absolutely. Uh, by the way, Daniel, say hello to your second biggest fan in the Buckeye State. Neighbor Desmond is in the studio live and direct. Say hi, uh, Desmond.
3: Hello, Desmond.
2: Oh, sorry. I got a you muted. You cut the mic off. I'm sorry. Are you kidding? I feel so <laughs> stupid.
0: I got a lot of logistics going on here. Uh, all right, Daniel. just when I
3: think you're getting, just when I think you're you're getting to be a real professional.
0: I know. I'm Come getting on. over
2: the hump. I fall right back. You know what? That, that is just Pay, ja- pay, pay This just payback for not showing up so many times. That's
0: right. There you go. Okay. So uh-huh. that's the the power of wielding the mute button has uh, <laughs> never been seen so much. So, um, not the way I was looking to start out this segment initially, Daniel, but. I can't not ask for your comments on the recent Anthony Bourdain suicide uh, this past Friday. He did play, uh, I don't know if we are yes. called significant or a substantial role uh, in kind of your
3: man, the man changed my life. Yep. I mean, he really did. Uh, uh, he, it's an incredible loss. Um, he, you know, he published a line of books and my book about Texas barbecue was the first one in that line. As I was researching that, um, as I was researching that, going out to West Texas, I came back into Austin and filmed a a No Reservations episode with Mm -hmm. him on his previous show. Um, And actually, my photographer from that trip and a buddy of mine who was on that trip with me were going to go have lunch together and and just talk about what that was like. But, um, you know, from that point forward, my my life was pretty much dedicated to barbecue and uh, left my job in architecture and was an author and a writer after that point, and without without uh, Tony Bourdain, that would have never happened.
0: My social media, um, okay, let's try it again. My social media feeds, Sorry. were packed with pictures of Anthony, um, people uttering condolences, of course, but what I saw was a recurring item was how much Anthony had played a role, whether it be directly or indirectly with whoever that person sharing that pictures was love of food or how he had inspired them at one point or another. Certainly he was upfront with the battles of his own demons over the years, but I don't know if he was exhibiting signs of someone you would say is like on that line of taking their own life, but really how do we know what that actually looks like? Do you think at all, and this is obviously speculatory, do you think that if he could have seen – All of this stuff that came out over the course of Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, prior to this event on uh, whether it be late Thursday or or into Friday morning, this is something that would have saved him, or maybe not.
3: Yeah, you know, it's uh, it's nice to think maybe that would have happened, but you know, it's just it's it's never going to work out that way. Uh, You know, the thing that I think that was most shocking is that you you hear these comments about well, he had you know even people with with money and fame and you know in a great job can still take their own life and and i think we all understand that i think the thing that's most shocking about this one is that he was that he was that pillar of strength on tv you know he was so cool and with such strong opinions and just didn't care about what anybody else thought uh it just seemed Completely out of character and and I think because of the way he was on his show uh, or the way he acted on his show was the way he acted in in life, and so so many people felt like they knew him uh, because they'd spent hours with him uh, just on t v and because every interview um, either after his passing or beforehand, when people were asked what he was like he he was like what he portrayed on on his various television shows so it's uh it was just so hard to process still is
0: the show um this show uh, i guess is and i appreciate your thoughts on anthony there i know it's a a tough subject so uh, to hardly or or to, to hard way transition you know this show my show has been kind of uh uh, had Hall of Fame overtones here over the last handful of weeks, Daniel, and I just had a great conversation with Tuffy Stone this past hour and uh, the nine o'clock hour before we talk about what you have going on. Let's chat a little bit about the Hall of Fame, if you don't mind. First, of course, is I, I believe somebody that we talked about the last time you were on last quarter, which was uh, Tootsie Tominance, and she makes it into the Barbecue Hall of Fame this year, and uh, I was a, a very staunch supporter of hers. I actually wrote in on on her behalf, if we're Talking about who we might have nominated this year, I don't know if oh, you would find a better person that would uh, argue for her inclusion uh, besides me, uh, other than you. But from a Texas perspective, and I guess from a bigger barbecue view, why is Tootsie so important to this barbecue culture and legacy?
3: Well, I think a lot of <clears throat> a lot of it is just her longevity and the fact that she's been at this for 50 years. And because of that, she hasn't she doesn't changed the way she cooks. She represents an older style of cooking, uh, and she hasn't really cut any of those corners. She hasn't, you know, there's a lot of legendary barbecue joints even here in Texas that have gone out and got their gas smokers to make things a little easier. And, you know, with Tootsie, it's still burning wood down to coals and shoveling it in the pits, uh, still doing it that way for, for decades. And really until... 2008, uh, when Snow's Barbecue made the Texas Monthly Top 50 list, made the number one slot in that list. It was only at that point where she was ever recognized for any of her efforts or any of her uh, any of her work in barbecue. And so having it come, having that recognition come so late in her career and late in life, um, it's it's great to see her finally get this sort of great nationwide honor.
0: You know, I think the last time you were on, we had talked about how you were. Uh, like the the first one to break to her that she had been uh, or had been a, a James Beard nominee or a James Beard finalist, uh, which eventually ended up going to, to Rodney Scott over Scott's barbecue. And, you know, mm-hmm. you had said at that point, it didn't really seem like she had the the grasp of the, the magnitude of that. And she's like, yeah, you know, I'll think about it later in the day. and it, Maybe I'll call you back and let you know how it hits me or whatever. <laughs> um, how, how do you feel that being in the barbecue hall of fame, might affect her I'm obviously trying to effort her to to get on the show and ask her herself but when you've been around her you've done stories and and pieces on her how do you think this will hit in her wheelhouse
3: I think it'll just be a, another you know, notch in her belt, getting that recognition, like I said, that's nationwide, and understanding that she's loved, uh, certainly in Texas, she knows that quite well, but um, in many places outside of Texas as well, they understand what she's meant to the craft and what she's meant to the business of barbecue, and uh, so I, I think she's going to be certainly pretty stoked about it. I sure hope she goes to the, the ceremony, because that'll give me a good excuse to go and cover it.
0: Do you think that I mean this is a lady now who's 83 and as you said is uh do you think the hard work that she has put in year after year I mean her uh, is it her full-time job is a maintenance person at a at a middle school or a an elementary school or yeah, something like that
3: Yeah the work she yeah, she still works uh, down in Giddings. It's about 15 miles south of Lexington, where Snows is located. She still works in Giddings, doing maintenance at the, uh, for the school district. So, um, you know, during football season, she's still cleaning up the stadium on a Wednesday night, getting in <laughs> pre- prepared for the uh, for the weekend ahead. Uh, but she just doesn't she doesn't get to watch any of those games because on Friday night she's got to get to bed early so she can rise uh, way before the sun rises on Saturday morning to get cooking.
0: Daniel Vaughn joining me here on the show. Has that work ethic, do you think, uh, allowed her to stay active? I mean, typically you think of an 83-year-old lady. She's not burning wood down to coals and uh, slopping around hundreds of pounds of meat on a Saturday. And you said Snows is kind of unique in the fact that it's barbecue for breakfast. You're not waiting in a line until 11, 30 or 12 and then getting that lunch rush. And then if you can make it to a dinner and food doesn't run out, I guess you're lucky to a certain degree or maybe your restaurant isn't that good. But Snow's is way different. You got to show up. You're there at 8 o'clock and you're eating traditional barbecue food for breakfast.
3: Yeah. Uh, you know, the lines there nowadays are starting at like 7 o'clock in the morning. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and it, the food's usually gone by noon. Huh. And I mean, there's a, the funny backstory to all that is that Carrie Bexley, who's the owner, so Tootsie uh, and he opened it up together. But Carrie Bexley, he. Um, when Texas Monthly had asked him for his hours, they basically said, "When do you start serving barbecue?" And he was thinking, "Well, you know, sometimes I have sausage ready at eight, so uh, eight o'clock, you know." <laughs> and so they published in the magazine that eight o'clock in the morning is when they open, mm. and so everybody showed up expecting the full menu. So from that point forward, they just started providing it at eight o'clock. They used to they used to not have the full menu ready until about ten. Mm.
0: <clears throat> uh, Daniel, when you look at the other. 2018 barbecue hall of fame lists, uh, as I had mentioned, Tuffy Stone is in there, and then uh, posthumously Charlie Virgos goes in from Rendezvous Barbecue in Memphis. Do you have thoughts on uh, either or both of those?
3: Oh, absolutely. I mean, with Charlie Virgos, like Rendezvous, um, you know people like to call it a, a, a tourist place or whatever uh, i mean this place was the originator of ribs in memphis and memphis is the rib town i mean before charlie Virgo's came around and started putting ribs on that cooker uh... nobody in memphis was serving that cut and so i mean that that in, in itself is iconic and then what he did for the whole idea of shipping barbecue across the country um, and and helping to make a name for rendezvous in that way Uh, I like to go back there any time I'm in Memphis and and go down, of course, get a a slab of pork ribs. But what I really love down there is the lamb ribs. (laughs) Um, So certainly one of my – I I still enjoy going down there any any chance I can get. And with Tuffy, I mean, Tuffy's a friend, and he epitomizes professionalism in competition barbecue. Uh, Generosity, humility – Uh, I don't know anybody on the competition circuit with his success that has anything close to his level of, of generosity in his knowledge, in his time, um, and just a genuinely nice guy.
0: When you see a a guy like Tuffy Stone get in, does it then beg a question of, is it just a matter of time for somebody like a Darren Worth, for instance, to get in? I mean, I think Darren has won every major barbecue contest holding Memphis in May. Um, is charitable is, you know, I don't know if he's as accessible or or has an interest as being in front of uh, the television, not saying that Tuffy had an interest in being in front of the television, but Darren seems to go out of his way to to, to get out television. Do you see somebody like that getting in here sooner than later then?
3: Yeah, uh, I mean, I certainly wouldn't put it out of the realm of possibilities. I mean, the guy, I mean, with Darren, he's won so much. It seems to be that the, the two of them are just these rivals in the biggest of the big competitions. Uh, it seems to go back and forth between them more often than anybody else. and uh, So, yeah, I, I could certainly see that happening.
0: I spoke with Emily Park last week, Daniel, and she had mentioned that for this class, of the 2018 class, there were... 75 names submitted by the general public, this is going to get a little convoluted, so I apologize in advance. Of those 75, mm-hmm. only 25 were unique. For example, maybe Greg Rempy's name was submitted 30 times of those 75 times. So truly shocking that maybe I didn't make the finals list, but I digress. Do you find it <laughs> at all concerning that only 25 unique names were submitted by the general public for consideration this year?
3: Well, I mean, I think when when you're thinking about the the biggest of the big, uh, you know, you're just going to have a whole lot of repetition. Um, I mean, I I was I was at least heartened to know that there were a whole lot more uh, African American pitmasters who were on that list for nominations this year. Uh, it was pretty sad to see that they didn't. None of them ended up making it into the Hall of Fame. Mm-hmm. I think that's something that uh, certainly need to look at closer and. Uh, see if we can't remedy a bit, um, but no, I guess it's, it's it's not all that surprising to me.
0: <laughs> so, I mean, what does that say about? I mean, I'm I'm the guy that rails against the Hall of Fame for allowing the general public to put names uh, in their hands for consideration. But if you're really only getting 25 names, I mean, to me, that seems that there might be some kind of a problem where you're out of all of the whole history of barbecue. You can't come up with more than 25 unique names in a year? I mean, that seems kind of like a troubling issue, I
3: think. Well, I think the other thing, too, is that um, people tend to submit in their own group, right? Yeah. And so, yeah, I mean, competition (laughs) folks are generally just going to submit the names of the competition folks. And, um, you know, commercial barbecue guys, the guys that are running restaurants, uh, are going to do the same thing. And so... Yeah, I mean, I I don't really know what what better uh better way to do it. Like I can the only thing I can tell you is that of the of the nominees that were considered, um it was it was a a good uh a good mix of both um ethnicity, uh male and female and of uh sort of what what their specialty in barbecue was. Do you get a vote for Hall of Fame? Yeah, I do.
0: Uh, how, uh- Do you know how many times I was nominated?
3: Oh, well, I mean, I think it was just like a technical disqualification just for uh, general attitude. (laughs) Desmond, you
0: believe this son of a bitch?
3: Not surprised. And he's
0: from Ohio originally. Come on.
3: Not surprised.
0: God, that's unbelievable you would say that right to my face, but I appreciate it. Um, Look, I mean, so, I mean, is there any way to figure out a way to get just more names in uh you know all all kidding aside
3: well i mean something that we talked about as a committee was actually just allowing more names into the hall of fame um that three that the, you know if you look back at the hall of fame and the very first class was was small um and every class yep. since then has been the same. And I think with with any other Hall of Fame, you know, whether it's rock and roll or baseball or football Hall of Fame, the first class is pretty large to mm-hmm. get in some of those that are just obvious, um, so that you don't have to consider like the most obvious of the obvious choices. And I, I think we could go back and, or, or, I I think with future votes we could go ahead and remedy some of that by putting in some of those folks and and also um, making a making a case for putting in much like they do in the NFL Hall of Fame where uh, a real veteran class, uh, you know, a veteran classification is considered uh, so that we can make sure to get some of those names that might not be so familiar today with the general public um, to get get them that sort of recognition.
0: Is there an ongoing view of the committee to, to, hmm, I'm trying to figure out the best way to say this, However the committee is made up currently, are those the right people on there to be able to make the right decisions on either how a list is pared down from those 25 to 9, or, or should there be different people in that committee in order to bring in a more diverse initial run of names? Uh,
3: well, there. I think the mix of people who were considering it um, were th- – we're certainly taking it seriously, uh, but we also, all of us, took very seriously the idea that we needed more people on that committee, um, that we needed to be more inclusive and be more representative uh, as well. And so that is that is going to change for next year.
0: Daniel Vaughn joining me here on the show. He is the barbecue editor for Texas Monthly Magazine. TMBBQ.com is the website. Daniel, can I hold you over for uh, one more second? We can talk about your podcast.
3: Uh, yeah, sure.
0: All right, hold on one second, and we'll be right back with Mr. Daniel Vaughn. Desmond, can you believe the outright anarchy that he just flamed on me? Jeez. He's lucky he's you not here. Petition. I would have you go after. You should petition.
2: You know I ain't going to do it. <laughs> All right, Why look- do you always put me in harmful situations? Look at me! Well, look at me! You're the big black guy! The, exactly. You're right. I may be the teddy bear. All I- right. No, not you. You're the most dangerous guy on the uh, on the island, right? <laughs> I didn't get kicked off the island <laughs> right. just out the hotel. That's right. All right. So talk about that
0: Quickly about Traeger grills. Behind every great meal is a great grill, but not just any grill. A Traeger grill, and the Traegers Timberline is the most advanced grill yet. It allows you to grill, smoke, bake, roast, braise, and barbecue like a pro, no matter what your level. Thanks to the incredible wood fire taste. Seriously, you don't know flavor till you're cooking with it. Traeger Grills use all natural hardwood pellets as fuel, so you're literally cooking with flavor. From low and slow smoked ribs to seared steaks, even a baked apple pie, Traeger can handle it all, and the Traeger Timberline even makes it even easier thanks to its Wi Fi capability. You can check on your cooks, kick up temperatures, and set custom cook cycles anytime, anywhere, all on your phone through the Traeger app. In fact, I gotta go check my brisket right now. Actually, I'm gonna stay right here. Find one at your local Traeger dealer or check them out on TraegerGrills.com if you want to beef up your barbecue game this summer. Traeger shop classes are going coast to coast, bringing barbecue knowledge and amazing wood-fired food everywhere they go, taught by professional pitmasters. You'll take home all the skills you need to reach barbecue glory. Find a shop class near you and sign up today. Visit TraegerGrills.com slash shop class. That's TraegerGrills.com slash shop class. And you can... Get those barbecue skills up right now. All right, more with Daniel Vaughn. We'll talk about his barbecue podcast. Stick around. will be right back.
1: Continuing to produce incredibly mediocre content in an exceptionally professional way. You're listening and watching the Barbecue Central Show. Once again, here's your host, Greg Rampey.
0: Hey, this portion of the show is brought to you by National Barbecue News, dedicated to all things barbecue. Their goal introduce new people to the world of barbecue while keeping the barbecue enthusiast and professional informed on all current happenings in and around the barbecue nation. They obtain this goal by offering timely news stories, new product reviews, barbecue event calendars, and unique recipes inside their printed products schedule. Website, social media pages, and email newsletters. Subscribe now by visiting barbecuenews.com. That's barbecuenews.com. All right, Daniel, thanks for hanging with me through the break here. and you bet. Uh, let's talk about one Daniel Vaughn podcaster. Wow. I mean, what's the deal?
3: <laughs> well, uh, Texas Monthly, we got a new uh, barbecue podcast called Fire and Smoke. So, Texas Monthly just launched a, a podcast for the magazine a few months back, uh, and then we just launched the one just uh, just all about barbecue uh, here just last week. Um, it's uh, our first episode featured a story about Tootsie Tominets and how she came up into barbecue and, um, you know, became the legend that she is today. Uh, we'll... Uh, We'll go all over the state, uh, bringing you all kinds of stories. We actually got a story that will be queued up just uh, outside the borders of Texas as well. So we, uh, we got them coming in from everywhere.
0: Um, are you looking to keep the shows within a certain time frame? Or are you going to let whatever particular story or piece of work that you're working on unfold itself into to whatever time you're looking at? And uh, what are you looking at from a release schedule, once a week or a couple times a month? What's the deal?
3: Uh, a couple times a month is what we're looking at. Uh, we we basically we don't have a, a time limit. <clears throat> uh, we don't have a, a hard and fast rule on how long it can be. But I have a short attention span. I listen to a lot of podcasts, and hour long podcasts to me are just they're hour long interviews with one person are just too long. Um, and you know, thirty minutes is kind of pushing it. I would much rather have um, you know much much more. Uh, I don't know. Edited down content, and get it more like in the fifteen minute range.
0: Desmond, what do you think about podcasts? I like it. That's the shittiest answer I've ever heard. Oh my God. I don't know. Let me hit that mute button again. Jeez, oh Pete. Um, so is it? Uh, you said you're going to be getting out uh, on the outskirts of Texas, but I, I would imagine most of the stuff will be Texas based. Do you feel that? Given your editor's position and the outright huge popularity of especially Central Texas barbecue, that you might be running into an oversaturation of the state of barbecue at this point, or not really?
3: Uh, Well, I've been asked that question for like the last five years now, and... uh, Hasn't hadn't ended up that way, so I I don't feel like we're in any, in any danger of that. Uh, I mean, the one that the first uh, podcast you heard was really a retelling of a story that uh, was much much longer in print in the magazine. Um, so we're going to be doing that. We'll be using some stories that I've already written have been published and telling them in a a different way, bringing in audio of the subjects who are involved uh, and telling them in a uh, more concise manner. Uh, We'll also be bringing ones that are much more uh, a conversation with pitmasters. So it'll run the gamut, but I mean, I'm already... We've already got some lined up that are about pitmasters that you've probably never heard of, Hmm. that just have good stories. So uh, they're going to be... there's plenty of great stories out there. I mean, Texas has, uh, if you just count the barbecue joints, I mean, there's over 2,000 barbecue joints in Texas alone. So uh, there's plenty of stories out there to get. I um, i laugh because I get this... Um, I have this big map that I – this Google map that I keep for myself, and it's got green dots of places I've gone and red dots of places I need to go to. And people ask if I'm running out of places to, to cover, or running out of places to check out. It's like if you just saw all the red dots that stare me in the face on this big map, um, you, would, you would know otherwise.
0: Is there a particular get that you're looking to have on the podcast? Is there a, like a bucket list person?
3: Uh, no, I haven't really looked at it that way. Um, you know, I have, uh, we give a lot of attention to a lot of the big names in barbecue in a lot of the stories that I write. And so we have a whole video series called small town smokers, where I try to go out and, and have and feature different pitmasters who aren't in the exalted list of the top 50 or uh, who don't end up coming to our different uh, events and festivals and things and, and cooking, but really trying to find the unknown pitmasters out there, people that you might be unfamiliar with and stories you might be unfamiliar with. And that's kind of the way I'm looking at the podcast as well, um, is just trying to tell interesting stories that uh, that you're not going to find everywhere else. Like, you know I've, when we first started talking about this podcast it was the, the thought was just well daniel should just go sit down with uh you know with with wayne miller or with aaron franklin or or whoever and 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 chat back and forth and i was like well that's what every barbecue podcast out there is <laughs> and we'd be getting so much of a repetition of those stories um from from all those pit masters so not really looking at it like trying to get the the big get as far as just telling stories that uh, make an impact.
0: What are your top two or top three podcasts that you listen to?
3: The top two or top three podcasts that I listen to. Well, um, I, I listen to the Eater podcast quite a bit. Mm-hmm. The Eater Upsell. They get. Uh, they usually are talking about interesting stuff on there. Um, uh, the Tales from the Pit is a good barbecue podcast. They uh, very Texas centric, so I go around and. Uh, they go all over the state and interview pitmasters, so actually listen to that a lot for research. Uh, and then there's um, uh, there's a barbecue podcast that the Houston Chronicle puts out. Uh, I listen to that one quite a bit. Um, I mean, I have this I have this whole list. I've been listening to David Chang's new show that he put out, uh, all about uh, the opening of uh, of his Major Domo restaurant in L. A., which I uh, Ended up going to visit last week with my kids. <laughs> we went out to L.A. and tried the one hundred and ninety dollars full rack of beef short ribs on the Major Domo menu, and they were fantastic. Oh, good. <laughs> and and it's uh, it, it's certainly pricey, but you know you're in L.A. Uh, it also comes with like all the all the sides all the uh all the little bowls of goodness that you'd get at a Korean barbecue joint come along with the sliced beef rib um and then the most amazing thing that they do, actually maybe better than the beef rib itself is that they take all the scraps they scrape them off the bone, mm-hmm. and they make a uh a smoked beef rib and horseradish fried rice
1: Ooh.
3: and serve it to you like as your dessert it's. That was amazing.
0: Have you heard anything about Adam Perry Lang's new restaurant?
3: I went and ate there the night before. Yes. Oh, really? It was, <laughs> yeah. Give me the lowdown. It, it was fantastic as well. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, lots of dry-aged steaks, wow. lots of different cuts of dry-aged beef, uh, big, long bone ribeyes. I think uh, the biggest difference between the dry-aged steaks at uh, at APL Restaurant is uh, and, and other dry-aged steaks you might have had elsewhere is that there's uh there's none of this frenching of the bone he doesn't take he doesn't take all that meat off the bone and give you a nice shiny long rib bone Mm -hmm. he leaves all the meat on there so all that um beef rib meat all that good short rib meat that would otherwise be taken off in i don't know for reasons of presentation uh at apl they leave it all on there so you get the full rib eye and you get like a full beef rib along with it too so um gives you a, you know variation in texture and flavor. Uh it was really fantastic. And he he serves a full rack of beef ribs as well. His are uh only $170, so wow. I had to try those out too.
0: So what does a whole rack mean? Is that four?
3: Well, it's three. Uh, it's a uh, um so it's the plate short ribs that they use. So yep. it's the three bone rack. <laughs> so, um you know, just to give you some reference, if you've had a beef rib at a place like Louie Miller Barbecue in Taylor, which I, I think is the finest beef rib that uh, the finest smoked beef rib I think I've had anywhere. If you get a full rack there, it's probably going to be about ninety-five to a hundred dollars. Um, so, I mean, it's it's a big piece of meat for sure. Yeah. Um, it's just cost you you know almost double in LA. Is it worth it? Uh well like I said I, I think with uh you know no, knowing the rent in LA that you have to pay and yeah. then uh, all the stuff that you get along with it um it it does make it worth it um uh, and you know in the end it's it's really about is that beef rib done well <laughs> and it is uh in both places
0: Let me ask you a final question here Daniel I was just talking with Desmond at the top of the second hour about an experience I had at a fairly high-end steak restaurant in Columbus while we were down there for uh, softball this past weekend, and I was talking to the server. And
3: it must we were, be bad. Well,
0: well, I mean, it was shocking, I guess is what I want to say. I mean, you know, the the end product. the <laughs> Some end product,
3: high-end steakhouse yeah, in Columbus. Well, you know, I mean, it was Man, Jeff... I thought, the, I, thought, I thought you were courageous on this show. Yeah,
0: it was Jeff Ruby's Steakhouse right across the street from the Drury on High Street, okay? So um, <laughs> okay. Uh, so uh, we, we were going through the menu, and, you know, he's doing all... Very knowledgeable, all this stuff, and we right got right down to how we wanted the steaks cooked. I said, you know, I would like my steak cooked to 140 degrees, and he looked at me like I said something in Greece uh, or called his mom fat or something crazy, and he's like, oh well, uh, our chefs don't have thermometers, and I said, well, why would why wouldn't they have a thermometer? And he's like, oh well, he just takes the tongs and. He can squeeze the steak and you know he'll tell exactly you know, where that steak's going to be. And I said, I can tell you right now, there's going to be a problem because there's just no way he can tell. I get the experience. I get the time on the grill. I mean, who are you talking to here? I get it more than probably 90% of the people in this restaurant. And I'm going to tell you, it's probably going to be wrong. I use my uh, thermopen all the time and I always have a great product. And it takes one second to stick that thermometer in the meat. Is there mm-hmm. and, and I've done stories on this show over the last handful of months where people have said, hey, the highest, most outrageously cool steakhouses in New York City and Chicago and Indianapolis are purposely undercooking your steak to guard against having to throw out an overdone steak. Should these hmm. steakhouses have thermometers and use them and not look at them as some type of a uh, T tea for T-ball tea or, or something along these lines? I find it kind of preposterous.
3: I don't know. Uh, I mean, it, I think it all depends on, on the experience of the person on the grill back there. I mean, I, I get that uh, you're an experienced steak cook, as am I, but I, I don't think it's, it's any, way, any way to compare working, you know, 50, 60 steaks in one night um, every night of the week. Uh, and understanding what those donenesses are. And I, I would imagine if you're trying to stick every one of them with a thermometer every time, you're you're just going to be wasting time and burning somebody's steak up. I Also, 140, that's a little high, a little high.
0: I mean, I mean it's all personal preference, right? I'm paying for it.
3: Well, yeah, sure. But, I mean, your personal preference will be wrong.
0: I guess, if you're wrong. <laughs> but luckily, I'm right. So, uh, but here's okay. here's all what right. I was thinking. If I if I gave him a number, at least it would. But I said, okay, medium rare plus, which is what one of these articles uh-huh. started saying. You know, instead of saying medium rare, and it still, I mean, if there was no way that this steak was medium rare, it was rare plus at best. And I told all the girls uh-huh. on the table, order medium, maybe medium plus, and they were all medium rare at best. And a couple of them got sent back. I ate mine because it still tasted good, but I'm telling you... Do so you the, think they're
3: undercooking specifically because then if, if you're unhappy with it... 100%. They can, put, they can cook it a little further.
0: 100%. You can't bring an overdone okay. steak back, right? But if you... This, this if, is true. If, if Daniel Vaughn is unhappy with his temperature on the under you'll probably not want to send it back. So I think they're guarding against two things. They're uh, A, betting on that some people are just going to shut the hell up, not say anything, eat it, and be like, eh, okay. And then there's going to be another percentage of people that are going to go, you're going to have to put this back on the grill for a couple more minutes and bring it up, which they can, but you can't do it on the over. So they're guarding or hedging the throwaway on two different sides, the 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 people that are just going to stay quiet not say anything or the people that are going to send it back. I think – I think it can be rectified with a thermometer, and I would demand it. There's an expectation level set at a high-end steakhouse that either the guy knows how to cook it, which he obviously doesn't, or he can put a meat thermometer in it and make it right. Why is that so crazy?
3: Well, I mean, I'm certainly with you that if if they're consistently turning out steaks that aren't the right temperature, then, yeah, they, they don't have the right person on the grill, that's for sure. Um, I don't know. I've, I I've never really thought about it. I'm always happy with a uh I'm happy with anything from rare plus to medium mm. rare and uh I'm just uh, it, I I don't know. I <laughs> I go to uh, knife here in Dallas. Um pretty often. It's about 10 minutes down the street. Mm-hmm. Great Dry Edge Steakhouse. Uh he and APL uh share quite a bit of uh, back and forth on um just meat aging knowledge and i went in for i don't know maybe my 10th or 12th visit and the server asked uh how i wanted my steak done and i was like wow that's the that's the first time i've been asked that um which which kind of threw me as well and i realized that i just let Tzar, john Tzar, cook it however he wanted and his was usually about rare plus and i was mm. always happy with that so um yeah i don't know i'm just so here here's your assignment I mean, I, here's when your I'm assignment at home, when i'm at home cooking a yeah. steak on the grill yeah. I absolutely i use my thermometer sure like i don't want to screw it up
0: that's why you're saying you should stay home and, and eat it at home Here's your assignment for next well, quarter. I okay. mean,
3: if but no, honestly, if unless I'm going, I do not go out for steak unless yeah. it's dry aged steaks. Yeah. Like okay. if it if it's a dry aged steakhouse and they are, um, you know, they're doing they're growing all that mold back there themselves. Like that's <laughs> something that I can't do or replicate at home. Right. Uh, but if if it's just a prime piece of beef, like I'm going to go to the store and pick it up and grill it at home uh, every time. It's just. It, it just saves you so much and allows you to do it exactly how you want it. Uh, and also doesn't force you to order like a, you know, some 28-ounce steak for yourself.
0: Right. So here's the assignment for next quarter uh, just for fun. Uh, find some great steakhouse. Order it medium on purpose. This is, again, just for uh, test comparison. I'll go ahead and refund uh, or, or reimburse you <laughs> for this. And see how undercooked it is. And then report back next quarter that's the, that's our working assignment.
3: <laughs> Agreed? If if I go uh if I go into knife and ask for a medium steak, I'm I'm afraid to Well don't
0: go to knife, aim. go to somewhere else where okay. maybe they don't know right. you and and we just want to again, this is uh, just for uh, for test, right? This is field work as we call it in the biz.
3: Uh-huh. I mean, you're, you're well, more now, in the I business. Gone, I have gone into a barbecue joint, and I was in line. <laughs> there were some out-of-towners. They had lanyards on from a conference, and they uh, requested their brisket uh, medium-rare. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> Even
0: Desmond knows that's crazy. Wow. Medium-rare brisket?
3: Yeah, yeah, um, and they were they were informed that there's really only one way that the briskets cooked.
0: <laughs> you missed that about uh, twelve it's hours
3: very, ago. Very, very well done. <laughs> yeah,
0: no doubt. All right, so uh, we'll we'll put together the field research piece, and then uh, I, I think we'll we'll both realize that uh, there's shenanigans going on in the steakhouses across the country, and we'll break it right here on the show. In the meantime, you can uh, find Daniel Vaughn's podcast, The Texas Monthly TMBBQ dot com is his website follow him on the Twitter at bbq snob and as always daniel appreciate the conversation and the time tonight
3: all right thank you so much
0: you got it there he is daniel vaughn from texas monthly let me go through the obligatory transition all guests
1: appear via the traeger grills hotline Mm -mm -mm. yummy
0: uh all right let's go instant feedback here uh do you think I was pissing him off at the end or what? Not necessarily. Well, that wasn't a no. <laughs> Let's go to Michigan. John, you there? Yes, sir. Was I pissing him off at the end or
2: no? No, I I don't think that you could piss him off. You don't? No, he's pretty... He seems very he laid back, right? doesn't he? All right. I don't know if chill. I...
0: He didn't seem like he wanted to take the steak challenge.
2: No, because... In my opinion, he's got a job to do. He doesn't have time to go do a steak challenge test. Why he?
0: You know, I just told him I'd buy him a free steak, and he just had to order a medium one. I'm like, how easy is that? Go
2: eat a friggin' steak dinner, right? Yeah. Does he have to buy food anywhere? He's Daniel Vaughn. I'm just. It's. I'm just yes, asking. Yes, of
0: course. I mean, I don't <laughs> trust me. I've been on barbecue review in person with Daniel Vaughn, and he uh, requests no special treatment. He told me, "Don't you dare call ahead to any place in Cleveland and tell him we're coming." I'm gonna stand the line, he tries to be as unassuming as possible and pays, I'm sure he gets reimbursed through work because of an assignment uh, by and large, but I don't think he is looking for uh, free food. I think that's no, kind of a, I, I, I think don't. that's a bad look in a, on a food writer's potential issue.
2: True. I don't think he's looking for it, but you know yeah, I don't know.
0: Okay, so well, if he doesn't take it, or, or, will one of you take the free steak? So we can see what kind of shenanigans are happening, or or am I? Do I need
2: to shut up here? If I take the challenge, you're coming with me.
0: Fine, John. I'll
2: do it. I'll, I'll even pay for the steak. What about um?
0: What about? Can you go to Prime and Popper, Prime and Proper in Detroit?
2: I can make it down there. Yeah, I mean, it's you know, but it's going to be a July time frame.
0: Yeah, that's fine. All right. Well, remember I told uh, Daniel it was next quarter. So what is that? J-
2: uh, July, no, August. July. August, August, September. September,
0: September. all right. Beginning of uh, mid-September, he's going to be back on. So we'll all have to do our own work here. And uh, hopefully I can make him enough money to cover all these stakes. Cheap bastards. All right. Thanks, John. No problem. Uh, That's John in Michigan, by the way, Desmond.
2: John, Michigan, thank you. John, say hi to Desmond. He's in the studio. Desmond, good to have you in the studio. Hey, Hey, I appreciate it. Thank you, John. Thank you for joining us. We really appreciate you coming in and and, uh, chiming in with us. John is uh, our designated is the designated
0: barbecue central show phone screener from Michigan? Doing Uh-oh. it all. He made all those calls happen he magically.
2: Like, he, just, he sounds like he's in the next room.
0: I know he's, he's got is a awesome. high level line, John. You got a high level line, right?
2: I'm, I'm, I got a high level line right, right. now. I got I got five in the green. He
0: could be in the green room. He could be in Michigan. Who knows?
2: Yeah.
0: There you go. Hey, if you want to jump in on this conversation this evening for the next couple minutes, you can do it 2120. That's 216-777-2120. You will talk to John first, name, where you're calling from, what you want to talk about, and we'll dump you on air here. You can say hi to neighbor Desmond while he's in here. And uh, we can kind of go from there. All right, let's go ahead and get this final read in. We'll be caught up on the business side. Let me talk to you quickly about Southside Market and Barbecue. Desmond, what do you know about Southside Market and Barbecue? Not much, but you can feel me. Established in 1882, right? Absolutely. That's right. Southside is the oldest barbecue joint in Texas and has been owned and operated by the same family for three generations. Famous for the original beef sausage. you remember the beef sausage? Yes. Uh-huh. Coarse ground pork in natural casing. I'm sorry. Coarse ground in natural pork casings. Of course, there are authentic Central Texas barbecue as well. All meats, including the prime briskets, slow smoked for many hours over real Texas post oak wood. They ship nationwide via the online store, southsidemarket.com. They also ship fresh and smoked sausages nationwide. Shipping customers can choose to order now and ship later. Include a custom gift note and mail to multiple addresses without additional shipping charges. All shipped items vacuum sealed to ensure freshness and ease of preparation for the customer. Shipped with dry ice to ensure complete freshness upon arrival. All meats processed in the on-site USDA inspected facility. What? Very impressive. On-site meat markets for fresh and smoked products. Custom orders are welcome as well. Two restaurants, if you want to try them out while you're in Texas. The original one since 1882 in Elgin, then the second one since 2014 in Bastrop. Grocery distribution and uh, throughout Texas and many surrounding states. Here's the key to everybody else not in Elgin, Bastrop, or the surrounding area of Texas 10% off coupon code for online purchases. Southsidemarket.com. Use coupon code BBQ Central. One word, lowercase, BBQ Central. That's southsidemarket.com for 10% off your entire online order. So if you've never had beef sausage, now's the time to do it. You can save 10% off the entire order. All right, we are back to wrap the show. Stick around, we'll be right back.
1: Whole packers, full racks, legs and thighs, injecting butts. If you've never heard this before, you might think you found the best XXX show ever. Let's get back to the most homoerotic host out there today, Craig Rimpey. All right, welcome back.
0: You know I'm the most homoerotic host, right? Does- homoerotic. House.
1: Homoerotic.
0: <laughs> Lord have mercy. Thanks again to Daniel Vaughn from Texas Monthly for joining me last segment. TMBBQ.com is the place to go for him. Hmm. John Dawson weighing in Steak issues Remps, you're going about solving the steak doneness problem backwards Instead of relying on the cooks Wait for it Take your thermopen to the restaurant Stab that bad boy as soon as they set it down Spank him with the digits And then find another restaurant Because said cooks will oh, certainly do unspeakable oh, Shut up Said cooks will certainly do unspeakable things to that steak When he sends it back to you what do you think about that? Should I bring my own thermoped? Uh should I show them nah. what kind of shenanigans?
2: No. No? No. Nah. Mm. I don't think so. You you do
0: That's that's a slap in the face. Then undercooking my steak on purpose. Undercooking isn't, isn't my steak on purpose isn't more of, of a slap back in
2: the face and then the the chef comes out and the cook comes out and he wants to Now we got a you. problem. We got a problem. And then you gotta call me and I'll rush twenty minutes to wherever you are and I'll be dead by then. You can stall. (laughs) You can talk. I can run
0: really fast. You can talk. Eh, We'll see about that. You can talk. All right, let's go ahead and wrap it up all the way back in the first hour. We talked with Tuffy Stone. He's newly inducted into the Barbecue Hall of Fame along with Tootsie Cominance and Charlie Virgos posthumously of Rendezvous Barbecue. And then in the second hour, it was all Daniel Vaughn all the time supplementing live in studio. Neighbor Desmond! And this guy on the phone slash screen, John Solberg. Thank you, John. Thank you. Look, he's right on. Appreciate it. John uh, the hell of a job. Yeah, of course. Big show for you coming up next week. Third Tuesday of the month I means Stephen Reichlin will be in, amongst others. September 11th, 2001. I will never forget. And until next Tuesday at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, This is your program host and proud U.S. American, first saying...
1: Start the game! Let's
0: go! And secondly saying... Good night now!